My prayer is that what he's working out, what he has been working out in me as I prepare it, would be your experience today. And it wouldn't just end at the end of the service when we say, God bless you, goodbye. But it would be a lasting seed. And I deliberately prayed about the seed and healing because of what I'm going to be sharing with you. That the seed digs deep roots and bears good fruit. Last week we talked about the four soils of the seed that was being sown. Today we're going to look at another parable of Jesus. And the parable is not a story that is being told about something that has happened or will happen. It's not a prophecy. It's a parable. A parable is a story that makes a point, but it is not exactly A equals B, B equals C. It's not exactly literal in that sense. But the interesting thing is in last week's parable and this week's parable, we notice that in Matthew, both from Matthew, Jesus actually gives the explanation of the parable. So let's open it up. We're looking at Matthew 13. We'll start with verse 24. Matthew writes and he said, he put there for, uh, before them another parable. So Matthew tells us right up front, this is not a teaching. This is not a prophecy. This is not a retelling of a historical event. It is an allegory. It is a story with a message. Okay? Let me give you a parable before we get to this parable. I've told you this before. My dad used to tell my mom, you're a great mother, but you can't love your kids this much. Not that she loved us little. She loved us a lot. And he didn't have any problem with her loving us. But sometimes there's a kind of love, and he's trying to make a point. So he doesn't tell her all this. He says, Navart, do you remember the bear? And she says, yes, I remember the bear. The story of the bear was that there was a bear who had a friend, a man, or a man who had a friend, the bear. And they were like very close. Everywhere the man went, the bear went with him. So one day they were in the fields, in the open space, and the man gets tired and he says to the bear, I'm going to take a nap, please watch over me. Very nurturing, very mothering bear. Maybe she was a female bear, I don't know. But he tells my mom, remember the bear? She goes, yeah, I remember the bear. So what did the bear do? The man says, watch over me. He says, no problem, I got this. You sleep. Under the tree, he lies down and he's sleeping. As he's sleeping, a bee comes along and lands on the man's head. Now the bear, this is a parable. The bear wants to make sure the man doesn't get hurt. So he's trying hard to move the bee off the man's head. Nothing works. He blows, nothing works. Finally, he gets a bright idea. I love this man so much. I can't let this bee hurt him. He finds the biggest rock that he can find. And he picks up the rock and smashes the bee that's on the man's head and kills the bee. And in the process, remember the bear. He killed the man. So he tells my mom, remember the bear. Don't love them so much that you're smothering them to death. 
That's a parable. So here Jesus is giving us, Matthew is telling us, it's a parable. Okay? Hang tight. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to, remember the bear, to someone who sowed good seed in his field. If you're a farmer, and we have a few here that actually are farmers. They're not just gardeners. Okay? Avedis and Ano are farmers. Okay? In their home backyard, they have a garden that they plant every year with cucumbers and zucchinis and kale and tomatoes and peppers and all kinds of amazing things. So they know when they put the seeds into the soil, what to expect, right? They have good seed. They keep at the end of the season, you know, tomato that just hangs on the branch, you don't pick, so it dries up. They take that and let it dry so that the seeds that are, you know, the things that you, you sometimes find in the, not sometimes, in the tomato's flesh, there are seeds. Those seeds they keep, they dry, they wait until the spring or pre-spring and say, seed them into the soil that they're preparing for the season's harvest. So when this man that went out plants, he's expecting his field at harvest time to look full with harvest, gold with harvest. Jesus says, look, the fields are ripe. They're gold with harvest. So this is what the man was expecting, that he went out and planted. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. In the same way that Avedis knows when he plants these seeds, he's going to get this specific steak tomato or this cherry tomato or this green pepper or this hot jalapeno. Whatever the seed is, he knows what the fruit of that seed will be. So the man that came and planted good seed knows he's going to get a wheat harvest that's full. And the man that came with bad seed knows that in that field that has been planted with good seed, there will be also a harvest of bad things. So when the plants came up and bore grain, in other words, when you plant the seed, it sprouts, the little shoots come up, it grows, and then depending on what it is, if it's tomato, it's going to have little tomatoes, but this is grain. So the grain is now being produced on the stalks, on the branches that are growing. On the wheat, you have the wheat grain. You know how it looks. So the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Like when you went to the market and bought the bags of seed, you know who sold it to you. You know the kind of seed that's in your par a purse that you're sowing. It isn't bad seed. It isn't mixed seed. It's pure good seed. We know you. You've done this. You're a good harvester, a farmer. Where then did these weeds come from? Now we know that this is what it looks like 
when the harvest is full. So what did the observers or the, the slaves notice? They noticed this. They noticed that the, the, the gold harvest is there, the, the wheat is there, but there's these other things that are popping up even higher. Those tares are known to grow higher and even sometimes, depending on the type of tear, tear is just a, a, you know, an, a, a name for a bunch of different non-quality grains and seeds producing plants. And they produce these long branches that sometimes are flowery, purple, pink, whatever, and then they change into their own grain or seed and they fall into the ground, like, you know, outside. We have the dandelions. They look amazing when they've got that little bulb. You blow it, it goes so nice. But each one of those little things that fly off, that little spherical sunset or, or starburst or sun that's coming out of the dandelion, those are seeds. So if you let it grow from the flower to that little ball of seeds that looks so pretty, white, with little tiny seeds there, and they fly so nicely, each one of those will land in the ground and will multiply. So he answered them, and he said, an enemy has done this. And then the slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, 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 no. For in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with it. Okay, so you don't want to waste a single grain of wheat. As we pull the weeds, of course, we're going to grab it. We're going to be moving fast. We're going to grab one plant. Of course, we're going to, by mistake, grab another. So maybe we should be more careful. He says, no, don't do it. But he goes on. He says, let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Amazing story. Matthew now helps us understand what Jesus meant. He tells us what Jesus said he meant. He says, then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds and the field, in the field, of the field. He answered, and now he's making the parable mean the result. Remember the bears. In other words, my dad is telling my mom, you are mama bear. The man is your son. The stone that's heavy, that's killed the bee, the bee is those things that you see in your kids or the kids are doing that you're not so crazy about. He doesn't have to interpret that to her. She gets it because they've talked about it. But here Jesus is interpreting it. He's explaining it. So he gives us the meaning of each element of the story. So we get it and we know how to live accordingly. So he says, explain to us the parable. So he answers, the one who sows good seed is, say it out loud, the son of man who's that jesus the king of the kingdom right okay we got it jesus is the sower the field is the world what's the field 
What's the world? The whole globe, right? I, I, I want to laugh too. Okay. And the good seed, what's the good seed? The children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So now we have the, the play, and now we have the script, and now we have the credits. We know who played James Bond. We know who played uh, whatever name, Batman and Robin. We know the names of the actors. Okay. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. That's the harvest, right? The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom. We have to be careful how we read. He doesn't say they will collect out of the, the field, out of the world. He now says his kingdom. Okay? We have to be really careful how we read. Because if we read it, the field, then it has a different meaning. Then it's, we'll get to that. Collect out of his kingdom. So Neil, these are people in his kingdom. All causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them, they being the angels, the harvesters, the reapers, and will throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like, we were just singing that, weren't we? The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their fathers. I love it when Jesus says this, last part. Let everyone with ears listen. Grab your ears. And say, you may be ringing, you may be heavy sometimes to hear, but you're there and I'm going to open you up today to be able to hear. Right? Open up ears. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Okay, so I told you we have Jesus explaining the cast of characters. So it looks like this. We have the field, the good seed, the weeds, the enemy, the harvest, and the reapers. It's pretty straightforward, right? It's right there in the text. You can't miss it. Jesus says it. Matthew writes it. He quotes it. But there is a few slips that Jesus slips in. So the traditional, the most accepted interpretation of this is that it's a lesson of how the children, how, excuse me, it's a lesson about how we ought to conduct ourselves. And this is absolutely right. It's a lesson about how we ought to conduct ourselves in relation to one another. So we know we are human. We know in the church, there are some that come into the church. And I'm not talking about membership. I'm not talking about attendance. I'm talking about actually being part of the spiritual church 
You with me? There's a difference. You can come and sit and fill a, a seat. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you becoming born again, entering into the kingdom because he's now separating. The reapers were separating out of his kingdom. It wasn't just the physical field, the world. It was in his kingdom. So in his kingdom, we see that in his kingdom, there are some who are the children of the kingdom and some who are the children of the evil one. That's a very difficult concept to, to wrap our heads around. And it has caused many Bible teachers and preachers to be divided over it. Because can a person be in the kingdom and be a child of the evil one? Well, no, that can't be, be, be possible. Whoever has the spirit is a child of God. So we have a conflict. And it causes people to misunderstand one another. And it causes now this, this stretching be, between the position. This interpretation is the right one. That interpretation is the right one. But let me give you a key. When Jesus said, let him have who has an ear hear or listen, he's saying that there's more to the story than meets the eye. So you need to depend not on your understanding of the mind, but you need to be open to the direction of the Holy Spirit. You can't understand scripture just by understanding it with your mind. You will. You can study it like literature, like Shakespeare. And you will understand a lot about it. But there are some things. In Jesus last time, last week, I read this to you. He said that I have kept, I speak in parables so that the sons of the evil one don't understand. But the ones that have the spirit will understand. So there are secret things. Not secret like, you know, the Masons and the secret society. And you have to have the handshake and all that. No. Secrets that unless you are born of the spirit, you can't see. You will believe and receive the spirit and your eyes will be open to see. If you expect to see and then believe, good luck to you. This is the family. So when my dad says, remember the bear, Remy, myself, my mom, him, knew the story. If you were in our living room and you heard my dad say, remember the bear, you're going to wonder, did these guys just go to the zoo? What happened? You're not going to understand it because you're not in the family. But once you're in the family, you get the code. It's not a code. It's part of what is already part of the life of the bloodline there. It's part of what is happening, what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's not a secret that God doesn't want to reveal. But He wants you to want it. And once you want it, it's yours. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened. Ask and it will be given. So what is Jesus really saying? So, so the lesson in this that most preachers, most, I, me, too, all of us, understood is that it's a lesson in judgment. Don't look at each other in the church and say, oh, this one is an evil one. Let's cast him out of the church. Or that church, oh my God, have you seen what they teach? That church is a dead church. That denomination is a dead denomination. The Spirit left them a long time ago. No, he's saying don't do that. You have no idea who's who. I will send my angels. They will separate. They will deal with it. You just take care of being a good grain. You just take care of being a good wheat. You take care of what you are responsible for and grow healthy. 
That's the general teaching. And that's positively true. There's nothing wrong in that. But there may be more. There may be more to the story. Matthew tells us, Jesus tells us the, the point that he's making in one of the other portions of Matthew. In chapter 7, in the sermon that he sat on the mount and, and preached. And that wasn't a baseball game. He says, do not judge. So that you may not be, you may not be judged. The judgment, for the judgment you give, will be the judgment you get. If you look at your brother and say, look at that, look at that behavior. He can't be a child of the kingdom. He's not even, how can a Christian do those things? And you label them a child of the evil one. If that's the standard you measure other Christians with, that's the teaching. That's what he's saying here. You will also be measured accordingly. So we're going to pause Let's finish reading the verse first. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. What does that mean? Give what? Grace. The measure of grace you give to that person that doesn't act like a child of the kingdom will be the same measure you get when you don't act like a child of the kingdom. When you act like a monkey, you will be allowed grace. When a person is acting like a monkey and you let them act like a monkey and say, it's okay, man. We are all monkeys. Remember the bear. Okay, so it's the animal kingdom. The more we give, the more we will get. The more we extend mercy, the more we will get mercy. The more we extend finger pointing. You know, someone said, every time you point your finger at someone, three others are pointing right back at you. That, that's amazing multiplication and it speaks of the Trinity. There's one God, but there's three of them, the persons. Anyway, let's stay on track. Why do you see the speck in your brother's or your neighbor's eyes, but do not notice the log in your own? Okay. So, this parable where we see these different players this cast of characters is telling us to be kind. It's telling us it's not our job to judge. It's telling us, you know what? Let things grow. Don't point fingers. Be gracious. Be patient. That which is evil will be rooted out. But can there exist evil in his kingdom? Yeah, the fact is yes. The answer is yes. You know why? Because Paul writes about it in, in Romans. And he actually says it this way. I'm warning you as I warn those... Oh, oops, wrong, 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 wrong. Romans. No, I'm, no uh, here we go. Romans. He goes, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. Where is this evil? For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. So where's the field? Where's the field? It's the world. But in my own inmost self. But I see in my members 
the different things that are growing in me, my members, another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin, the children of the evil one maybe, that dwells in my members, in my field. Wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Rank, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind I'm enslaved to the law of God, but in my flesh I'm enslaved to the law of sin. So in the kingdom, good and evil can exist in one person. Agreed? In every child of God, good and evil exists. In you and me, in every one of us, this exists. So actually it's interesting because now there's a different perspective. And this different perspective was actually something that our fathers of the faith of old, I'm talking 1st, 2nd, 3rd century, people like Origen of Alexandria, people like uh, Athenagoras, people like Gregory, Gregory, the two Gregories, people like Theophylact of Ohrid. These were bishops and archbishops of different regions and they were students of the scripture. They wrote a lot of the ancient scripts that have been handed down from generation to generation and formed the basis of our current, current modern day theology. They argued for the words of Jesus to be understood correctly in the way that Jesus described them, the cast of characters. But they said that there's another meaning that's hidden in the words of Jesus that on first reading we may miss. So what is that hidden meaning? Of course the field is the world. We all understood that. And they argued that it's also each one's soul. So there's a tension. And there's a theological tension. Big words. There's a tension that exists in the church between those that will hold this one position and those that will hold the other position. That tension should not exist. The tension of both of them being true, both of them being valid at the same time, that tension should be the tension that exists. Not the tension between brothers and sisters that say this way or that way. The tension is, is it this or that? It's both. Is he talking about the world? Yes, he's talking about all of creation. So we need to wake up because there is judgment that's coming at the harvest, at the end of this age, when those who are working in unrighteousness will be bundled together and thrown into the fire. So wake up. Wake up. Don't just be in the kingdom, happy, happy. Everything is good, I'm going to heaven. Wake up and realize that if I'm not living according to the fruit of the life that's in me, I'm not really believing what I'm saying. Mentally I may, but I haven't been, have I been born again? So this is a wake-up call for each one of us to sort of check ourselves. Am I a child of God? Is the Spirit alive in me? Am I alert to the tensions? Am I awake to the fact that there's a struggle in me? Or do I just do what I want to do? When I want to do it, I go this way. Today I want to be good, I go that way. Tomorrow I want to go party and, and do this thing. Whatever it is, are you just floating with the wind that blows that day? Like the dandelion seeds? Or are you planted in one and maybe feel struggle like Paul does? Which is it? So it's a wake-up call that there is a judgment that's coming. But there's also another wake-up call that there is different seeds at work 
in my field. My field, me, my soul. But you know why they were thinking that? You know why they were struggling with that understanding of it's not one, it's not the other, it's both? Because the scripture itself, what we read at the beginning, the interpretation of Jesus, the Son of Man will send His angels and they will collect out of His kingdom. They, they understood that part. So Jesus is talking about His kingdom. What will He collect? He didn't just say evildoers. Right there in the text, plain as day, plain as sunlight. That's why it's yellow. All causes of sin. Where are these causes? They're not just external. They're the struggles that Paul was talking about in Romans 7 that are things within me, this law of sin and death that's at work in me. That will be pulled out. That will be gathered. That will be cast into the fire. But which am I allowing to grow? Am I allowing the, the weeds to overtake my field? You know, if you don't do something about it, and we've seen it driving along, some of the abandoned houses that have been sold but haven't been rebuilt or whatever, you see that the, gar the, the, the front lawn is just covered in these dandelion buds that have now flowered. All the neighbors go crazy because nobody is cutting it in the right time so that it doesn't become seed and multiply into their own lawn. It has overtaken that lawn, the dandelion. So in your life, it's a wake-up call. What am I feeding? What am I trimming? What am I allowing to grow? What am I allowing? Because they both will grow. He says, don't go and pull them out. So he says, don't go get a weed whacker and try to pull it out. You know some of those things where you have to step in and you pull out a chunk of the grass with the weed? Don't do that. Every weed is going to stay until the end. Because I have, for me, every blade of grass, every sheaf of wheat is precious to me. Every seed of the kingdom that's planted in your heart, God wants to see multiply every little bit of his kingdom he is so meticulous about he doesn't want it he wants it to be manicured at the end and pull out every good thing out of you he doesn't want it to happen ahead of time so let's not do that let's not pluck out the specks in each other's eyes number one but let's not even start picking at the specks in our own eyes give yourself a break don't go picking at the specks in your own eye. Leave them there until harvest when they become logs. And then it's going to be easy to take out the log. But in your life right now, focus on feeding the wheat, the seeds of the kingdom. Focus on growing that. Keep going in this passage. Those things will be burnt. Otherwise, how are we going to go into eternity with this struggle that Paul talked about in Roman. We're going to show up. Jesus says, oh wow, you've got a B plus. That's like high 70s. So 78% of me has been redeemed. 21% is still garbage. How am I going to enter into resurrection? Is 21% of my body going to be... Why do I say that? Well, look at what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. 
He's talking to covenant people, people of the kingdom, the Jews at the time. You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in her, in his, uh, wait, with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What does he say? If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one eye than your whole, than you, of your members, than your whole body be thrown into hell. Do you see that what Jesus is doing here? He's connecting the same parable to the same principle, to the idea of what Paul is struggling with, that when we come to the harvest individually, there is going to be stuff that has to be pulled out of us so that we are presented whole. So the more whole we come into the kingdom, the more of us there will be. We will be in full stature. We're not going to be, you know, infants. For lack of... We're not going to be small, tiny little thing. We're going to be full of our height. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. So there are things that are going to be trimmed off. Not just physically, but spiritually. Our soul is going to be half soul as opposed to full soul. That which glorifies God. So we have a situation here that we're struggling. Let's go back to this verse. We, we just saw this. Then the righteous will, sun, will rise. And I told you that this, this key phrase, when you read this key phrase, know that God is up to something. That Jesus is saying something. When uh, the Pharisees came to ask Jesus where the kingdom is coming, when the kingdom is coming, he can, and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, there it is, or here it is. The kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. The kingdom of God, the, the reapers are going to come and they're going to pull out of his kingdom the fruit, the grains that are tares and the grains that are wheat. So do, do, do you get what I'm trying to get at here? The kingdom of God is within you. That means the field is within you. That means the world that he's talking about isn't just the world at large, but it's also the cell that's you, the individual. Why is that important? Why am I making such a big, you know, stink about it? Why am I talking about all of this? Because these are some of the things that we struggle with. The characteristics of the tares, there's nine of them there. It's easy to find, and, and please take a picture of this with your phone so that you know not to compare it to anybody else. This is about you. This isn't a measuring stick that I'm now giving you license to go around looking at other people and saying, look at this person, they're rebellious. No. This is a measuring stick so that when you look at it this way, this is the evil that's in the world. Okay, I'm going to flip it and put a different world, uh, number of words there that you can look at it. I'm going to, I don't have time to get into all of them today to explain each of them. But maybe this way of saying them, that some of the characteristics of the tears that they're sinful. You notice in the picture that they were higher than the rest of the wheat? They puff themselves up. So whenever you catch, this is an amazing thermometer for yourself, for myself. This isn't for me to measure Mark or Sarah or Salpi or anybody else with. If you do that, you're already in it. Okay? So when you, when, 
if you want the wheat to grow in your field, if you catch yourself measuring anybody else, that should be an alarm going in your head saying, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into the wrong area. I'm feeding the wrong seeds. Back off, back off, back off. Let me examine myself. Am I sinful? Am I rebellious? Remember the other slide was rebellious. Am I pretending? Am I fake? Is my faith fake? Do I pretend I'm something that I'm not? Am I proud? Am I standing higher than all the other grains and looking over? Look at me. Oh, I'm so much taller than all the others. Am I legalistic? In my dealings with others and in my dealings with myself. Oh, you know why? Ugh. My hand hurts so bad, it's arthritis. Oh, I must have done something with this hand that God is judging me. No, don't go that way. It's not a cause and effect that way. There are some things that are natural cause and effects, yes. But it's not God's judgment. For it's appointed to man to die once and then judgment. The judgment is when the weeds and the tares are going to be collected. The wrong focus. Here I was saying that they're fighting people. The wrong focus is because in the wrong focus, we don't focus on the right fight, which is against flesh and blood, not against people. Against principalities, not against ideas of other people. Here I have fleshly twice. You know what that is. I don't need to get into it. Claim piety. Oh, I'm so holy. Whenever you feel that, these are the thermometer triggers that should alert us. Controlling and manipulating. Wow. Here I have it as leaders. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean church leaders are controlling and manipulating. But inside, I want to lead. I want to be number one. And the last one, love labels. You know, I struggle when people uh, approach me and call me Pastor Hanny. I accept your honor. I accept your, your kindness. I accept your respect. I do. But you'll never find me call myself, I'm Pastor Hanny. That's not my identity. I'm Hanny. That's my identity. Pastor is what I'm called to do. Right? But for me, and, and you know, I don't judge them. But there are some people that call themselves apostles. Actually, that's the scripture. And Paul rebukes that. And we see the apostleship movement growing today. And some call themselves apostles. Some do it because the churches force it on them. That's a different story. But those that seek it because they want to find themselves title, there's a problem. That's a thermometer for them, not for me to judge them. If that's what they're doing, I have no idea if their church imposed on them to print a business card that says title, uh, bishop. yeah, bishop, okay? Those are biblical titles. They're all biblical titles of functions, offices, activities that they do. I am not going to judge them. I'm not comfortable doing it, but I can't impose my level of comfort on them. So, love labels. If you're doing it because you love the label, this is for you to check about yourself, guys. It isn't about labeling other people. If you love to have title, uh, so what's my title in the uh, coffee ministry? Am I the milk manager? If that's, your, if that's your ambition, and if that's what you want to, forget the title. 
You know what Jesus said? The greatest among you will be the servant of all. So now we've glorified servant. I'm a servant leader. Dude, shut up and sit down. Your name is X. Just be called X. But function in that X. Okay? Let others call you what they call you. That's me judging. Forgive me, Lord. So now, we saw this. What's the world? It's my soul. That's my world. That's the world that I take everywhere with me. That's the world that I carry to work, to school, to my house, to my family, to my relationships. And what is the good seed? It's the nature of the kingdom. Paul puts it this way. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. That list that I had of nine, here are some other descriptions of what those nine look like. Sexual immorality, I don't talk much about that, but you know, I pray that the Holy Spirit convicts us where we need to be convicted. If we are sexually deviant, immoral, abusive, whatever the word is, that we, we're not sexually pure in the relationship that God has created us as individuals. Impurity. It could be impure thoughts, impure behaviors, debauchery, just living it up. Idolatry, worshiping. And you know, the idols of today are not those stone idols and wood idols that you carve or, and you put. They're, they're things like mindsets, things that occupy our time, things that occupy our ambition. Sorcery. None of us here are witches and, and, and uh, warlocks. But maybe our prayers are sometimes witchcrafty. Enmities. Oh, I will never cross that boundary with that person anymore. Wow. Strife. <clears throat> Jealousy. These are all seeds of the kingdom of evil. Anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like that. I love it when Paul says that. Things like that. Like these. Like there's so many others. I could take pages to list them all because I know what the disgustingness of myself is. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom. In other words, they're in the kingdom, but they're not going to inherit. By contrast, and now he lists the nine. That's why I had the list of nine. The fruit of the Spirit is, now some argue that the word, the fruit of the Spirit is singular, so the fruit is the one word, love, and all those other things are built into love. Take it whichever way you want. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. They haven't pulled it out. They've choked it. They haven't watered it. They haven't fertilized it. So all of this to say, God is so good to us. He is working hard to bring us to the understanding and the appreciation of what He's entrusted us with. So if these things have sparked something inside, no judgment, 
No one is condemning you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for the Spirit has set us free, right? Spirit of grace. John puts it this way. If we confess our sins, Lord, as I look inside my field, I see the fruit of the evil one. Help me with this. If we confess that to him, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for your parables. Remember the bear. We thank you for those illustrations that you have spoken, the wheat and the tares. We thank you, Lord, for the lessons that they contain, the reminders that they are. We thank you, Lord, that you have sown good seed in us. We thank you, Lord, that you allow the seeds of the evil one to continue in us till the day we are at the end so that every good seed bears the right fruit that you have planted in us. Not one seed that you have put into our lives goes to waste. That you will harvest everything according to your purposes in our lives. So, Lord, I pray today that you awaken us. That we would see those seeds that are not the right ones. In my own life, in each one of our lives ourselves. That we wouldn't see it in the others. Give us myopia. Give us spiritual cataracts that we don't see the evil things in other people. But give us transparency when we look in the mirror. Give us clarity when we look in the mirror. That none of us would perish at the end. That each of us would be considered the sons and the daughters of the kingdom. That we would come to you whole having worked through releasing more and more of your seeds to grow in us so that they would choke out the weeds. Lord, the power of the seed of the weeds is real. And it will grow in our lives if we water it, if we focus on it, if we don't allow the others to grow. So grant us your spirit as fertilizer to the seeds that you have planted, that they would grow, bear fruit in each one of our lives. Be glorified, Lord, among us. Be glorified in us. May we be good soil that would bear a harvest of 160 and 30-fold. If you want that, just stand up. If you want that, just ask the Lord right now in your quietness. Say, Lord, I sympathize with Paul and I recognize what he's talking about, the struggle that's real. I need your help. I can't do this. If I let myself go, I would be like a pig. I will do all kinds of evil. But your spirit restrains me. Your spirit draws me your spirit inside. So I say yes to you. Let those seeds multiply. Let them grow and bear more seeds and those seeds keep planting just to outgrow the weeds.
You know, some fields and some seeds have multiple harvests in a year. And grass seeds, if you water them right and if you give them the right nutrients, they will grow into a very lush... Have you seen golf courses? You can put an egg on it and it won't go down on the grass. May it be that thick in your heart. May it be that fertile, that green, that fruit-bearing. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Focus on these things as thermometers in your heart. If you notice them, run to somebody. Say, help me. I need your help. Pray with me. These weeds are growing in me. I need to just choke them with goodness. Hold my hand and let's pray together. Wonderful week. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Filled with the presence of God in all that you do. Love you lots.